This is Dina Weiss for Hadar and Parashat Hazinu, tasting the Torah. The poem of our Parashat Hazinu is very beautiful and also a bit inscrutable. One of the ways that the rabbinic tradition enables us to find meaning in this poem is to have it speak more generally about the Torah and God's way of interacting with the world. The second and third verses in particular open up to reveal a critical lesson regarding how we should relate to the Torah. It teaches us that the way we choose to relate to the Torah can determine its effect on us and its meaning for us. The poem reads, Ya'arov kamatar likhi, tizal katal imrati, ki si'irim alei desha v'chirivivim alei esav, ki shem Adonai akra havugodel lelohinu. Let my lesson fall like rain and my speaking drizzle like dew, like mist upon the meadow and like droplets upon the grass. When I call out to Hashem, you shall ascribe greatness to our God. Moshe's teaching, which he wants his listener to absorb and be saturated by, is, of course, the Torah. When, in verse 3, Moshe speaks about calling out God's name and eliciting a response, it seems that he has changed topic from the study of Torah to the praise of God. However, the Talmud understands that this second verse does not represent a shift in focus at all. According to the Talmud, the praising of God also refers to the Torah, specifically the union of Torah and prayer. It encodes the requirement to make a blessing on the Torah before studying it. Amar Rav Yehuda, Minayin lebirkat haTorah lefaneha min haTorah, shene Amar kishem Adonai akra havu godal lelohinu. Rav Yehuda said, "From where do we know that there is a bracha made before studying Torah? As it says." When I call out to Hashem, ascribe greatness to our God. The obligation to make a blessing on the study of Torah carries a lot of significance. The Talmud and Nidarim provides two consequences for neglecting these blessings. It claims that the reason why Torah scholars do not pass their legacy on to their children is that they do not make the blessings over the Torah. And it goes so far as to state that the temple was destroyed on account of ignoring this mitzvah. The Gemara does not explain what it is about this particular blessing that makes it so critical. Why does omitting these blessings have such devastating consequences? In order to understand the significance of this ritual, it is critical to understand its context and where it comes from. In Brachot, Rabbi Yishmael and his students learn that we need to make a blessing on the Torah from the fact that we need to bless before and after partaking of the physical pleasures of this world. I only have a proof for blessing on food. From where do we derive blessing on the Torah? Rabbi Yishmael said it is a kavachomer. If one makes a blessing on one's temporary life, that is, the material world of which eating is a part, isn't it obvious that one would make a blessing on eternal life? Rabbi Chia Bar Nachmani, Rabbi Yishmael's student, says in his name, this logical inference isn't necessary. 
Instead, we can use a direct linguistic connection between these two verses. It says, And you will eat and be satisfied and bless Hashem your God for the good land that He has given to you. And further it says, I will give you the tablets of stone, the Torah, and the law, etc. Rabbi Ishmael's proof is difficult. Granted that the Torah pertains to eternal life and that food is a temporal, this worldly concern, but that doesn't prove that you can compare them or derive laws from one to the other. Yet, Rabbi Ishmael powerfully asserts that the blessings on the Torah and the blessings on food are related. The fact that he doesn't feel that he needs to establish the connection between them points to the strength of his conviction. Rabbi Chia Bar Nachmani's proof has the same character. The language of Natan, of giving, is not so rare. And the placement of that verb in both verses is not so compelling that one would naturally think to connect them. It is only because he absorbed the Torah of his teacher that it is clear to him that these two categories are linked. Obviously, we talk about the blessings for food and for the Torah together. Rabbi Ishmael is messaging to us in a not-so-subtle way that the only way to truly understand the significance of the blessings on the Torah is to look at them through the lens of the blessings on food. Much ink has been well spent in trying to classify the blessings of the Torah. Are these blessings simply a blessing on the mitzvah of studying Torah? On the Torah itself? Are they a request? Are they praise? The answer is, of course, all of the above. But what is unique about the blessing on the Torah is that by connecting its source to the blessings on food, we see that it is in fact a birkat hanehanin as well, a blessing that we make upon receiving pleasure or benefit from this world. Seen in this light, the purpose of making a blessing on the Torah is to make the experience of learning Torah more like the experience of eating and enjoying a sustaining meal. We see this orientation most clearly from the Talmud's discussion of the details of the blessing. Amar of Yehuda Amar Shmuel, Hishkim l'shanot, ad shelo kara kriyachma tzarich levarich, misha kara kriyachma eno tzarich levarich, shekvar niftar b'ahavar aba. Mai mevarich, Amar Rabbi Yehuda Amar Shmuel, asher kidishanov metvotav v'tivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. V'Rabbi Yochanan mesayim b'ahachi, ha'arevna Adonai Eloheinu et divrei Torah b'finu, u'befifiyot amacha b'Yisrael. V'nihiyya anachnu v'tata'enu v'tata'e amacha b'Yisrael, kulanu yod'e shemecha v'oskei Torah baruchata Hashem hamalamei Torah la'amo Yisrael. Rav Hamnuna Amar, Asher Bacharbanu Mikol Hamim, Benatan Lanu Etorato, Barachata Hashem, Notain HaTorah. Rabbi Yehuda said that Shmuel said, If he got up early to learn before one may say the morning prayers, if he is still not read the Shema, he needs to say the blessings on the Torah. Once he has read the Shema, he no longer needs to bless, since he exempted himself by saying the blessing of Ahava a great love. What does he say in the blessing? Rabbi Yehuda said that Shmuel said, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to engage in words of Torah. And Rabbi Yochanan would conclude, make the words of your Torah pleasing in our mouths and the mouths of your people, the house of Israel. And let us and our progeny, the house of Israel, all be knowers of your name and engagers in your Torah. Blessed are you, God, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. 
And Rav Hamnuna said, who has chosen us from all of the people and given us his Torah. Blessed are you, God, who gives the Torah. The blessing on the Torah situates it as something delicious and inviting. Rabbi Yochanan's language of Ha'aravna, may it be pleasing in our mouths, is language that we use to talk about food, something that is pleasing to one's palate. And this orientation is underscored by the fact that if one says the blessing on the recitation of the Shema, one is exempt from reciting the blessings on the Torah. The reason for this is that the fundamental theme of the blessing right before the Shema is Ahava, love, a recognition that the giving of the Torah is an expression of God's love and something that engenders more love from we who receive and engage with it. The reason it is so critical to make these blessings and to classify Torah as something that benefits us, as something that is loving and sweet, is that it is not at all clear from our experience that the Torah is primarily pleasant. This is reflected in our parasha. Rava Rami, Chetiv Ya'arov Kematar Likhi, Uchetiv Tizal Katal Imrati, Im Tamid Chacham Hagunhu Ketal, Ve'im Lav Orfehu Kematar. Tanya, Haya Rabbi Benah Omer, Kol Haoseik Betorah Lishma, Torato Naaseit Lo Sam Chaim. שנאמר עץ חיים היא למחזיקים בה, ואומר רפאו תהי לשרחה, וכל העוסק בתורה שלא לשמה נעשית לו סם המוות, שנאמר יערוב כמטר ליחי, ואין עריפה אלא הריגה, שנאמר וערפו שם את העגלה בנחל. רבה juxtaposed two phrases. It is written, let my lesson fall like rain, יערוב כמטר, and it is written, let my speaking drizzle like dew. Tizal katal. If he is a proper scholar of the Torah, then it will be pleasant like dew. And if not, it will crush him, or fehu, like rain. It was taught that Rabbi Bina'a said, anyone who engages in Torah for its own sake, his Torah becomes an elixir of life. As it says, it is a tree of life to all who hold fast to it. And it says, it is a healing for your body. But... Anyone who engages in the Torah not for its own sake, the Torah becomes an elixir of death. As it says, let my lesson fall like rain, ya'arov kematar. And the root, araf, means killing. As it says, they crushed the arfu, the calf there in the river. Rava understands that the Torah can be difficult. It can be a nurturing and sweet elixir of life, but it can also be a poison. It can set high expectations that might crush us emotionally when we don't meet them. Worse, if we don't engage with the Torah properly, it can have the opposite of its intended effect. It can make us into worse people rather than better. The Torah can even make us feel farther from God and strain our relationship rather than making us feel closer to Him and that we understand each other. This is why we need to make a blessing on the Torah. Because the success of our relationship with the Torah depends entirely on our attitude towards it. By declaring it an elixir of life, it becomes an elixir of life. If we think of it as a bitter medicine, an elixir of death, it can be hard, if not impossible, for us to swallow. The Matunat David explains this in the context of Tehillim. Lulei Torah'cha Sha'ashuai. Im lo haita esek Torah'cha misamehoti. Were the Torah not my delight? 
If engaging in the Torah did not make me happy, then I would become lost on account of my numerous sufferings, which come about from sin. The connection between delighting in the Torah and not being crushed by our sins and their consequences is not obvious, but it is quite clear. A critical component of the Torah's ability to instruct us is our feeling that we love it, and it loves and cares about us in return. Just as with a parent or with a teacher, where we are only receptive to what they have to say when we feel the warmth and affection that lies behind a sometimes harsh and difficult message, so too with the Torah. When we feel that the Torah supports us and has faith in us, we can withstand the fact that it points out our sins, that it can make life a bit more challenging for us. When we understand the Torah as sweet, we experience it in that way. Throughout the Torah, we are told to obey the Torah and to live by its laws. But at the end of Moshe's life, the message is also to enjoy the Torah, to see it as a source of pleasure. We need to read the Torah through the lens of sweetness and encouragement, to see that its main purpose is to support us and enable our growth. When we say the blessing upon it, we renew our commitment to following a Torah which is sustaining and sweet. Wishing you a Shabbat of delight in the Torah. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to our weekly Divrei Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.